Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. So uh, today uh, we continue in the epistles, the, the topic that... Uh, if you want to give it a topic, is uh, blessed assurance, blessed assurance. You know, like the hymn, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You get the gist. The text, uh, a couple of texts I want to start with, Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. As he said it, and he will do it. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good and fulfill it? And the second text, following the theme that we've been reading, Romans, but just going back a bit, Romans 8, 38 and 39, I'm reading from Amplified. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So over the last few weeks, we've been going through or starting to look at the epistles, starting with Romans. And uh, Romans has been a, a very interesting one, and I know a lot of us have probably finished reading Romans now. We've had more than four weeks to, to kind of go through that. And thinking about the, the book of Romans itself, a lot of the themes we have covered so far, we, we explored the righteousness of God, and we also... Um, to an extent, talked about the fact that whether somebody was a Jew or what the Bible describes as a Gentile, there is universal corruption in man, which results in condemnation because of the righteousness of God. The, the fact that man has sin nature means that man by himself cannot be in right standing with God. However, still in the book of Romans, we were introduced to the topic or the, 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 to justification. The fact that God created a pathway for mankind and God is intentional about his reconciliation with mankind that we are given the gift of grace and forgiveness through faith. So essentially, through our believing in God, we are saved. What I want to really talk about is assurance of salvation. But over the last two weeks, we've also explored what should happen in the life of a Christian. And we explored really in-depth transformation of believers. So we looked at 
you know, for example, Pastor talked about what code of conduct should, should we really follow now that we are, we are in this world, but we are no longer of this world. What, are the, what is our diet going to be like now that we are not of this world? But one of the things that is very important for Christians to understand and appreciate is the fact that they are saved. And the reason why it is very important to understand and appreciate that a believer or as a believer you are saved is that there are instances where the devil use this as a way of silencing or blocking individuals from doing exploits. So I want to really talk about the fact that Christ has paid the price that we tap into for our salvation means that if somebody is a Christian who believes in God and they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, they are secure, they are saved. Now, whether somebody believes that they are secured or not doesn't affect the fact that they are secured. However, what usually wavers in believer is the belief that I am saved. So I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior, but there are instances where sometimes I would doubt that I'm saved. So I'm, it's, it's instances where I lose the confidence of that realization of the security that Jesus has given to me. And uh, assurance really has to do with our comprehension of the facts and the provision of salvation through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the reason why a believer needs to understand and comprehend the facts and provision of salvation is that a lot of the things we do and believe ties into what we believe about what God has promised us. So, for example, if I believe that, for example, Jesus' death and resurrection and paying the price was not enough for my salvation, what else don't I believe? So, not only does assurance of salvation help us um, to believe that we are saved, but it also helps us to to have a greater assurance of what God's provision for all areas of our lives are. But before I go into that, because that part is mainly for believers, it's very important to balance what is about to come. Because once you start talking about security or assurance of salvation, you hear themes and topics like, you can save yourself through hard work or being good. You can also hear things like, there are people who think they are saved, but aren't. You can also hear statements like, if you are saved, it doesn't matter how you live. And I want to quickly address those points before we go into really the meat of this sermon. And um, I want to address that by reading the text, Matthew 7, verse 21, 
Matthew 7, verse 21, which um, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And 22 says, Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, I'm reading again from Amplified, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many miracles in your name? And then, so this is Jesus speaking here, I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you, depart from me. You are banished from my presence, you who act wickedly disregarding my commands. So I want to use this text to really talk about the three points I mentioned earlier. So people that say that you can save yourself through hard work or being good or a group of or line of thought that says that there are people who think they are saved but aren't. Or if you're saved, it doesn't matter how you live. So the first thing about this text is this text is uh, uh, in a way a very tragic text. Because you have a group of people on that day that are saying, Lord, Lord, we did all of these things. And, and the scripture actually talks about many will say. So it's not a small group of people. But in that group of people, we are also looking at people who potentially have been in church. People that are serving because some of the activities they've described here are things that believers do. And Jesus said, many will say to me on that day. But what is important for us to look at in this text is Jesus said, I never knew you. And what that is saying when I read this is, I never knew you is different from there was no time that we were in a relationship. So I never knew you is, when, when there's never, it's like, there was no time we were in a relationship. So even though these people are saying, Lord, Lord, Jesus is saying, I never knew you. So what that is saying to us is it is possible that there are people who think they are saved, but they are not saved. Because salvation is not going to church. Salvation is not being in a connect group. Salvation is not having a platform to preach. Salvation is not being an ordained minister. It is, being, it is, it is definitely not being born into a Christian family. In Romans 10, 9-7, it says, If you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God has raised him, from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10, of Roman, um, verse 10 of Romans 10 says, For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made accepted to God. Now, the reason why Matthew 7 is tragic is that there are people who do church, but perhaps have never at any point in time, accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, and they've just been going with the flow. So that's a, a, a group of people, and that is tragic because these people may end up becoming 
you know, they will serve in church, you know. Like people that see you serving, doing all of the things of church, they are not God to say, oh, that brother is saved, that sister is saved. They see what you're doing, and there's a level of assumption when people serve that may make people inclined that, oh, this person is saved. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is saved. Now, another thing I want to bring up, um, out in the Matthew 7 is that Jesus didn't say that those individuals did what they said they did. Let me explain what I mean. The people that said, Lord, Lord, in this text are the same people that said, we did this in your name, we did this in your name, we did this in your name. Jesus didn't say, oh, many will say to me, or many will do this in my name. So it is possible that the people that say, Lord, Lord, um, may not be necessarily saying the truth because Jesus later said, you who act wickedly or in another version says, you who are workers of wickedness or lawless people. So there is no evidence to say that all of their testimony is the truth. So many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? So again, just making the point that Matthew 7 is emphasizing the point that not everybody who is doing church is saved. Only the person that puts their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior is saved. The second point from Matthew 7, when you really think about it, is as a believer, and this is a, 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 a core of the message today, is Really, when you read that text and you put believers in the context of this verse, the expectation we would have of believers to say is, Lord, Lord, we put our trust and faith in you. So the response we are getting is a shock to us. When somebody goes, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that, I did this, already that person is communicating self-righteousness because what they are... So, so the, the guys, many that Jesus is talking to here, the first utterance they had was about self. And that talks about the next group of people in this line of thought, which is you can save yourself through hard work. You can't save yourself through hard work, but again, going back to the Matthew 7 text... If those individuals were believers, their line of thought would be, we put our trust in Jesus. And that is, what we, that is what we are holding on to as our reason and assurance for salvation. But these guys in Matthew 7 didn't do that. They said, oh, we did X, we did Y, and we are so good. Why are we being condemned? So that is a valid point that there are individuals, one, who think they are saved but they aren't, and there are individuals who believe that doing good is an evidence of being saved. It is, but it is not the criteria to be saved. Um, the way I think about it is service outside of the scope of salvation is voluntary charity work at best. You know, in some cases it might be disrupt disruptive because the individual's 
um, are not led by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, 38, when Paul was preaching the gospel, he said, let it be clearly known by you, brothers, that through him, that's Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes, who acknowledges Jesus as Lord and Savior and follows him, is justified and declared free of guilt. I guess the last group I wanted to quickly talk about is people that believe that if you are saved, it doesn't matter how you live. The scripture is very clear around this. It talks about sin shall not have dominion over you. So guys, I want you to think about it like this. If you are saved, you can say it doesn't matter how you live because how you live is not is not what makes you saved, but how you live is an evidence that you are actually saved. Let me explain what I mean. If you are saved, it means that you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. So if you are saved, it means that you believe. If you believe, your actions will show it. So if when you hear messages around assurance of salvation or things like that, the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, I'm saved, it doesn't matter how I live, then I can do whatever I want, then you should really test that spirit to really see whether you are saved. And I, I want to give you a bit of a wild analogy to think about that. And this is linking to if you're saved, it means you believe. And if you believe, your actions will show it. So let's say, for example, you heard some news that there was an individual that, was, that is a convicted thief. And you are in your house with this individual. And the individual tells you, I've changed. I'm now a good person. I'm no longer a thief. You know, you can trust me, all of that. And then you got a call. You had to quickly leave your house. Now, think about it. You're about to leave your house, and there's a convicted thief left in your house. What are the steps you take? You know, oh, where's my Rolex watch? I need to put that in the safe. Oh, where's my cash? I need to... So, everything you do after the person has told you, I've changed, indicates whether you believe what they've said to you in the first place. I'm hoping that that makes sense to you. So what I'm saying is, the person told you they've changed, and now you have to leave them alone in your house. And all of your action is like, where's my baby? Where's my wallet? Where's my Rolex? Where's, where's the safe? Have I changed the pin? Where's my credit card? It means that you didn't believe that person in the first place. So if somebody says, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior, and they are so excited about the fact that because they believe that, it doesn't matter how they live. And the only thing they can think about is how they are going to run riot with their life. It is an evidence that they are not, or they might not be believers in the first place, or they have a very, very bad understanding of what their um, faith journey entails. So, the reason I covered all of that is because anyone that finds themselves in that group, you know, whether you believe that it's through your works that you saved, 
or you believe that you can live your life anyhow because you're saved, or, you know, the other group that are not sure whether they are saved because there was no time they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, even though they are distinct groups, there's a major step that 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 group needs to take, which is genuinely accepting Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior and understanding what that actually means. And, you know, the sermon we've listened to, you know, over the last two weeks, you know, demonstrate what that means in practical terms when I say that I am a believer, I am a Christian. Now, but for a lot more of us that are believers, we actually go through something that it is not a desire of God. What I mean by that is God did not give us the gift of salvation for us to wonder whether we are saved. I want to repeat that. God did not give us the gift of salvation for us to wonder most of the time whether we are saved. Now, put myself in that category for a lot of us who are believers. We don't doubt that we are sinful. So, from time to time, we make mistakes, we confess our sins, and we ask God to forgive us. And we also don't doubt that Christ has the power to save. We don't doubt the resurrection of Christ. Essentially, the objective facts of Christianity we believe are true, and that's what makes us believers. However, the problem is that from time to time, we wonder whether we are saved by those facts or not. So, for example, we have a group of us that say, oh, maybe no one can ever be sure whether they are saved. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit that we are believers and children of God. And in, in that group as well, you know, I might know that I've asked Christ to be my Savior, but sometimes I'm unsure if I'm saved. Sometimes I might doubt my sincerity, I might doubt my faith, and sometimes I might even doubt the truth of the Scriptures. And, you know, I think about my failures as a Christian, and then I wonder whether I was ever saved at all. But the Scripture tells us that once you believe Nothing can separate you from Christ. But experientially, sometimes we are not so confident. But like I mentioned before, God wants us to have assurance of salvation. The devil tries every way possible to silence believers and make them doubt because sometimes it hinders our exploits. So how do I confidently go out into the world and preach the gospel when I don't know if I'm saved? How do I go out into the world and say I want to, I want to maybe pray for the sick, pray for people that are confused, if I am not sure of my salvation? And this is a lie of the devil, and it's usually in two fronts. So the first front is it makes you believe that you're good. 
Like every, you know, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been doing all of the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do in quotes, so I'm good. And then I suddenly say I'm good, not because of Jesus. I've now suddenly said I'm good because of what I'm doing. And the problem that that happens is that is a, 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 almost a lie of the devil that makes you secure in, the, in your works rather than in the work that Jesus has done. And immediately after that lie of the devil, the next one comes in because usually we then do something that is opposite of all of the things we've been saying is good. And then the lie of the devil comes to say, oh, you know, why would God take you back? You know, you've been so good and now you've messed up. You know, it's two-pronged attack where it kind of um, works on our ego to make us feel like we are good and that's why we are saved. And then suddenly, because of sin nature, we do something that we're not supposed to do and we fall down flat on our face and then is there again lying to us to say God will not take us back. And these two lies of the devil makes us focus on us rather than the finished work of Christ. And one of the things I really want to emphasize to believers, to Christians, is that this is a lie of the devil. Don't let the devil silence you. Don't let the devil use this lie to make you feel like you are not saved. Because sometimes when you feel like that, it hinders the spirit by which you serve, the spirit by which you preach the gospel, and this is really what the devil is trying to do. But what God has, God has given us a gift. The gift is not because of how perfect we were. It's not because of, you know, the fact that we were born into a Christian family. It is by the grace of God. I want to quickly go um, just briefly on the reasons why people can lack assurance. You know, sometimes it might be a misunderstanding of how we interpret the scriptures. Sometimes we look at our, the results we get in our lives, you know. When pastors talk about SOS, I am struggling in my spiritual life. That you are struggling in your spiritual life does not necessarily mean that you are not saved. It means that you are struggling in, the, in your spiritual life. The reason I talked about the first group of people is I don't want people to hear this and layer this sermon on unbelief or not being a Christian. This, what I'm saying now, is for believers, for Christians. Christians can struggle in their spiritual life, but it does not mean that they are not saved. Sometimes we question, why do I still like to do this and I call myself a Christian? It is not a unique experience. As long as you are in this world and you are not of this world, remember that you are in this world. And that's why pastor talk about what you're feeding yourself, what you are eating, you know, what you are consuming, all of those things that allow us to transform and renew our mind. You know, reasons why people lack assurance. Sometimes people lack assurance because they might think, oh, my prayer was not complete, or uh, I did not say the full salvation prayer. What I would say to you is that whether you, you accepted Jesus in your bed, or you came through an altar call, or you raised your hands or signified online, 
what is important is that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and you now know that you trust in the person and the work of Christ. That is really important. Other reasons, very quickly, when people neglect worship, neglect fellowship, neglect prayer, there are reasons why people might have a weaker assurance of salvation, but it does not necessarily mean that they are not saved. It is so important that the foundations of our assurance is the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about eternal life? What does it say about forgiveness of sin? What does it say about freedom from condemnation? Every time you sense that there's a weakening of your assurance of salvation, go back to the Scriptures. Go back to some of the sermons we heard about um, condemnation and re-ingest the Word of God. A child of God by faith. That's who we are. We are children of God by faith. Another solid foundation for assurance of salvation is the work of Christ. I've mentioned this over and over. Salvation is not by our works or merit. When we looked at Romans 4, when we're talking about justification, we, we learned that Abraham, it was the faith of Abraham that made him justified. The same way it is our faith in Jesus Christ that we are really holding on to the finished work of Christ. Salvation is solely by Christ's person and the work. It is a gift of God. The minimum God is asking us to do is receive this gift and walk in that gift. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. The final foundation, if I can call it that, of assurance is the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to understand the scripture. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes the things of Christ and gives us understanding. One of the biggest reasons why believers lack assurance of salvation is a lack of cultivation of relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that introduces meaning to the decision we have made for Christ. Is the one that instructs, counsel, compels, convicts us. And we need to really foster that relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there is a direct correlation between how in tune you are with the Holy Spirit and how rest assured you are in salvation. The more in tune you are with the Holy Spirit, the lower the chances that devil has to make you doubt your salvation. So bringing it together, we need to draw our salvation from faith in facts of Scripture, not from our feelings. Our emotions go up and down. But the, the biblical order is facts of the Scripture, faith, then feelings. Feelings are responders of the soul. They are to follow and respond to our understanding of the scripture. But they are never, feelings are never a safe guide to what you should believe about the state of our salvation. We must be so careful also in making subjective ground for our salvation. So, for example, 
if a believer is out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit for a period of time, they can start having the appearance of an unbeliever. And it's so important that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as a believer. Finally, we've said all of these things, but how can I be sure that I'm saved? It's resting on the Holy Spirit. And um, Romans 8, 15 to 16, he said, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Pastor says something, uh, I think, in the last couple of weeks, when he talks about, I'm paraphrasing here, who do you run to? Believers run to their daddy. Believers run to Abba. You know, when things happen, we don't run anywhere else, we run to daddy. And that's one of the major indications as to whether you're saved. Because the Holy Spirit in you is, is, it has that thirst in you to always call father. When something is wrong, who do you run to? Is usually a good test of where you are in your faith work, especially in relation to salvation, because believers, believers always run to daddy. Remember, God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. As he said it and he will not do it, or as he spoken and he will not make good and fulfill it. Rest in the fact that you are saved. It does not mean be complacent as a Christian, but it means that do exploit, emerge, emerge and work, serve on the fact that you are saved. Don't let the devil hold you down. As we go into a new year, we're going to a year that we've never experienced before. We were all so excited coming into 2020, not knowing what 2020 was going to be like. We're going into another new year. It is so important for us as believers that we are going in rest assured in the gift that God has given us. Rest assured working in the will of God for our life to preach the gospel, to really open our mouth, not to be shy, not to doubt, not to be in fear, but to open our mouth to share this gospel, this good news that we are holding on to. If I believe truly, believe that I am saved and I am going to heaven and I can see the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in my life, I should be excited to share the gospel with everyone around me. So, in 2021, make a commitment. Make a commitment to stick with it. The devil will try to make you doubt, to make you fear, but stick with it. Don't give up. Stick with it. You are a believer. You are saved. Preach the gospel. Live a life of an unhindered Christian. Live a life of an unhindered Christian. Rest in the assurance of your salvation and do exploit. You know, we, we had a sermon about emerge. Do exploit. You might have heard all of this and you are thinking about the fact that maybe you've been doing church and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. There is no better time to do it. Do it now. Don't delay. No matter how nice 
or good you are, it does not make you accepted by God. What makes you accepted by God is to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. It is just so really in my heart to encourage everyone as we go into the new year, do exploits. There are so many destinies, so many lives attached to the fact that you are a believer, attached to the fact that you are a Christian. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of that. This is not a time to be thinking about whether you're saved or not or whether because you are feeling low and you think that, oh, you've done so, you know, you've done some bad things. Like I mentioned to you, while sin remains in a Christian, sin does not dominate a Christian. It does not reign and rule in our lives. We confess our sins, we get back up and we preach the gospel. We share the testimony of what Christ, what Christ is doing in our lives. So we overcome, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That word of our testimony is what Jesus has done in our lives. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.